all these things start to get diluted down. I start to get bitter. It's all around the holidays. So uh, we made a plan like, all right, next year we're, we're, I'm, I'm getting out of the business. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. While it may seem like you can work behind the bar forever, chances are you won't want to, even if you could. My guest today is Chris Tunsil. After working behind the bar for many years, Chris founded a barabove.com with his wife Julia in 2013. They now run the Mixology Talk podcast and have their own line of bar tools. More info on that in the show notes. Let's hear what Chris had to say about his journey from barback to running a successful business outside of the bar. What do I do with them now? That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. The whole, whole rabbit hole. Right. Cool. So normally I, I don't ask people like on the show like their their history and how they got into bartending yeah. and all that, but that's kind of what the show is all about. So okay. <laughs> I think we'll actually this time start from the beginning. Um, but what uh, – I know you came from Vegas, mm-hmm. and um, which is a very exciting place. Um, what exactly drew you to working behind the bar? Was it the excitement or – yeah, it was um, kind of started a, like a long time ago. Like I, I remember in high school, I was very, very shy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that I needed to get a job that forced me to interact with people. Um, so that's kind of my initial push into like customer service roles. Uh, I moved out to Vegas where I was a crap stealer for a long time. Um, and it was a very exciting environment. I mean, if anybody's been to Vegas and been on a craps table, I mean, it's kind of like that iconic game in Vegas where just people yelling and screaming and having the best time of their lives. And it's, it's very intense. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then I moved out to California and uh, they don't have that same kind of environment. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I know I love that environment. I know I thrive in that environment. What would be a good job that would get me in that kind of same scenario and bartending was kind of that next step for me and then I just fell absolutely in love with bartending um this was very early on in the craft cocktail movement it was like 2003 um so it was very early on and I I saw the creativity um that was happening on in New York and San Francisco and I said I I I gotta I gotta get in um so that's kind of what started me in the bar and kind of kept me in there was that that drive to kind of learn and experiment in the bar. So the creativity aspect. Yeah. Um, and the hospitality a- aspect. It, um, something I really liked was making people happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've, it's just been part of my life for a very long time. Um, so it just kind of worked itself out. And then the creativity aspect of it um, really kind of fueled my imagination. And the more I learned about cocktails and ingredients and, you know, how to make people happy through cocktails, um, it really checked a lot of boxes for me. Um, so, you know, all those elements just kind of was like the perfect storm for, for a career. And it was a fun job. I mean, we're having a party every night, totally. essentially. Um, so, you know, I got to uh, become the cool kid at the party, you know, for eight, ten hours a day. Um, so it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. You mentioned you were shy and before... Going into a career as a as a craft dealer or bartender, um, how much did this career um, affect your personality? Oh, in that way? it was probably the biggest change in my personality. Um, 
like I said, in high school, I was like painfully shy. Mm. Um, and I knew that was kind of going to be a handicap for me the older I got. Um, and once you, I don't know what it is, but you know, after attending bar for so long, once you step behind the bar, there's just this like cool, quiet, like element to it. It's like a, a moment of Zen and it's very empowering being that person behind the bar kind of orchestrating the whole evening and the fun and the excitement and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, uh, being behind the bar. Uh, and it forces you to kind of interact and get out of your own shell for a second and kind of think of what this person wants, what are they here for, and really do your best to provide that for them. Um, and so I, I, I found myself really loving attending bar. My personality started to grow and I became a lot more outgoing. It's almost like a new character of me mm. um, developed. And uh, I feel, I don't know, I, I feel like a lot of people might have come into the industry with similar personalities and, you know, kind of pushing them out and saying, all right, here we go. Sink or swim. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So you worked at a few bars and restaurants and kind of, um, did you start as a bartender? Did you start as a bar back? And then, um... yeah. Um, so for me, um, I had no experience in hospitality. I had mm. a job as a pool boy uh when i was 18 and they handed me the pair of my pair of shorts and they were so short they barely covered anything so i was like yeah this is not for me <laughs> um and uh so then i um probably 10 years later I, I got into hospitality again and i didn't have any experience relevant experience and i just walked in and said i i'll do anything i'll wash dishes for you but i want us to be on the same page in six months i want to be your bartender mm. and the manager didn't really know what to do with me <laughs> like, all right, that's cool. So um, I, she trained me as a waiter. Uh, so I started waiting tables in this steakhouse in a hotel up in Napa. And I was really kind of diligent. Like every week I would ask her, can I get a training shift? Can I get a training shift? Can mm. I like, to the point of being annoying, really. Um, in <laughs> retrospect, I, I, I think I would just that, that one guy like, hey, 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 let me get back there. And then. But you went in with a goal. Oh, I, we were both on the same page. She knew where I wanted to be. Um, and I said, if I don't work here, I will work somewhere else. But right. my, my intention is to become a bartender, um, whether it's here or there, and I'm willing to do anything to get my foot in the door. And um, so she gave me the opportunity. And with three months later, she started training me as a bartender. And three months after that, I was a head bartender there. Um, there wasn't a lot of competition. <laughs> I'll go ahead and say that. But as you know, once you get that one job, everything else kind of falls into place if you're looking to become a bartender further down the road. Totally. So that's, uh, yeah, that's how I kind of got started and, and really fell in love with it. Yeah, I definitely had a similar experience of, of reaching that tipping point with the first foot in the door. Right. And then things kind of, because this industry changes so quickly and there's so much turnover. And it's, sometimes it comes down to like, oh, Bob didn't show up. Get back there. We need right. someone. Figure it out. You right. Know? Um, did that kind of excitement, and did you enjoy that kind of excitement, um, that aspect of the industry? Did that keep you going? The turnover well? or? Oh, just like constant change. And, um. Yeah, and this, like I said, this was really early on in craft cocktails. So there was only two big epicenters going on, and it was New York and San Francisco, and the styles were completely different. Yeah. So I was um, up in Napa at the time, and I knew that I wanted to get into San Francisco, but I was paying attention to see what was happening on both coasts. And it seemed like everybody was trying to figure things out. You know, syrup production wasn't even a big, like people weren't really talking about it. And 
um, you know, we were all kind of going through the same growing pains. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have the bar tools. We didn't have the bitters. We didn't have all these things. And people were making all their own ingredients. Yeah. They don't have to do anymore. I mean, everyone was muddling everything. Yes. Because we didn't know any better. Those sinks at that time were. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So just like, you know, we kind of I was paying attention. They were all kind of growing at the same rate and seeing these same things happening. And there was probably. 40 people on both coasts total. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what was happening. But, mm. um, you know, it's it's grown very quickly. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to see what's going on out everywhere. There's so much going on now. So at the time, um, I guess you you worked for several places and then you, you were in management mm-hmm. at some of those places. Um, where did you see yourself going kind of in those first few years? Um, if you can remember at that time, where yeah. do you think you would go with this? Well, I think I have the same vision a lot of people in the industry have, and that is, um, I love hospitality. I love the business. I love being a part of this community. And I thought that, you know, I'll learn the nuts and bolts of running a bar, um, and kind of go down that natural career progression that a lot of people have, like in a corporate job, mm-hmm. you, know, you start at the bottom, you work your way up. Um, I wanted to open my own bar. Um, that was my focus, my, actually a restaurant, my entire career for the most part. Um, so that was kind of my driving force of, all right, I need to learn as much as I possibly can. So that way I know what the hell I'm doing when I fork out hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to, to own my own place. Um, so that's kind of what got me started and really kind of drove my passion. Um, and then I realized that I don't think owning my own bar was a good call for me. Um, just the time commitment, the diligence that you have to have as a bar owner. Um, I, I saw myself like 20 years down the road, not being able to stay at that level. So I said, okay, what else do I love to do? And so I kind of fell into education uh, Mm. more than anything. What was that moment of, of change? Like when you realized that this dream that you had had for so many years wasn't right for you? It was hard. I'll be honest with you. Um, because you have this, this, prize in mind and you're actively working towards it and then you see that that's no longer the best option so there's a little bit of excitement in a new career path um, but there's also a little bit of like i can't let go of that Mm -hmm. you know so you still have this kind of bittersweet moment um and i'll be completely honest i'm really grateful and glad i never went down that road for myself um it's great for a lot of people and i highly encourage it because it's just it's an amazing industry um, but for me, I knew I wanted to have a family. I knew I want to spend time with my kids yeah. and watch them grow and, you know, travel and all these things. And I just didn't see those two things, uh, being a good combination as a bar owner. Mm. So where did you go next after you were working at bars, you were managing bars, what was the next step and how did you arrive at that next step? Yeah. So when, um, you know, I was, as I was kind of ingesting all this information from the whole craft cocktail movement, um, I was in Napa and I knew I needed to get to San Francisco, um, because that's where everything was happening on this coast anyways. So, um, I did my best. I got in here, I got a really terrible management job. Um, and, uh, but I got in and I started to know people and stuff like that. Um, so then I realized how little I actually knew about bartending. (laughs) It was, it was pretty immediate. Like I got thrown into, um, a really high volume place 
And it became very clear very quickly that I, my physical skills of bartending were not up to par. Like I didn't know the techniques. I didn't know what a double strain was. I didn't know how to use um, a julep strainer, for example. Like, mm. why would you ever use that? Well, I have a Hawthorne strainer. It does everything for I me. I still don't know why anyone uses those. Right, exactly. <laughs> so like all these little things. And it was really frustrating to me because um, at the time, attitude was a big part of the craft cocktail movement. So people, bar, other bartenders would look at you and say, that's not how things work. That's mm. not how you do it. And they would never tell you how. So it was a huge frustration for me. Um, and it really kind of annoyed me, to be honest with you. And um, so I realized that if you're not in one of these major areas, like let's say you're in the middle of the country, you don't have access to that environment. You don't see what's happening in, that, in those spaces. And learning the small little details that it takes to become a craft bartender. Um, so that's when I realized, you know what? Let's take this thing online. Let's spread this information out. Let's talk about maybe not the right way to do things, but another alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that's when the YouTube channel started. That's when the blog started. That's when um, we really focused on spreading information about craft cocktails. And it's funny how things change um, and evolve over time. Like when I made some of these YouTube videos, they were cutting edge at the time. They were like, this is, oh my God, a julep strainer. Finally, I know how to use one and mm-hmm. why I would use one. And now people look at it and they're like, boring. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so just funny to your point of like how quickly this industry is evolving. Um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, I guess, a long and short of that one. Yeah. You, you had a desire to share this information and the internet was just kind of the natural way to do that yeah and it's it's funny like when i met my wife when we were first dating she said you know she's very high achieving woman she's like what's your plan what's this what are you what are you going to do with this mm-hmm. and i said i got a great idea i'm going to make a dvd box set <laughs> and she's like really really and i'm like well, and at the time that's how you learn you know yeah. it was yeah. the only other education out there being sold was flair bartending and that was what they were doing you send in your check and they send you a box and DVDs on how to do flair. And I'm like, well, that's what people are doing. So that's what people are going to understand. Mm. And she's like, how about this? Listen to these podcasts. We were listening to um, smart passive income with Pat Flynn at the moment at that time. And it was a whole new way of thinking of like giving information away for free. Yeah. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And that was cutting edge back then. Oh, it was revolutionary. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to go through the work of creating all these videos and just to give it away for free it was the best possible outcome. It was the best idea possible. Um, So then we started doing that and then um, ended up creating the, our certification program back in 2013, um, which was a lot of work and a lot of fun. But yeah, that's, that's how it all started was education series, DVD box set um, evolving into much more easily accessible information um, online. So, so at what point did you step away from behind the bar? Like completely? Um, it was a long process because I had the idea back in, God, when was it? I think I registered the website back in 2005. Wow. And so I had this idea for a business in the back of my head. And, and were then, you still thinking about running your own bar at that time? or was It was, that... it was a possibility. Yeah, yeah, it was a really strong possibility. Um, I think I changed gears in probably 2013-14 if I had to guess mm-hmm. um, and went on all, all in on, on the education um, but yeah I think that's probably about when we 
we uh, I gave up the uh, the dream of owning my own bar. Mm-hmm. I still think about it from time to time. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about um, the moment when you stepped away from behind the bar. Sure. Um, and what what that was like. What what it was like to like. All right, I'm you know putting in my two weeks or month or whatever, and I'm not going to be behind the bar anymore. So the way I kind of started to gear it is. You know, it took a lot of creative energy for me to kind of get these videos out and and make the content needed for the website. And I couldn't use that creativity for the bar anymore. Um, so it was this balancing act of do I tend bar? Do I work on my own business? What am I going to do? Um, and I was working nights at the time. So I transitioned to daytime bartender mm-hmm. five days a week. And then as I put more energy into the business and building the bar and we bought a house and all that stuff, I started to taper off my time commitments tending bar. So it went from five days to four days to three days. So I kind of had one foot in, one foot out. I gave over creative control of the bar program to somebody else um, so I could fully focus on the business. And then there was a a point where it was kind of go or no go. Like, am I going to do this thing or am I going to have one foot in, one foot out and not be present in any business? Um, So we decided, you know, we're going to save up a lot of money um, we're going to have about a year's worth of, of bills paid in our account. Mm. Uh, my wife was working at um, a biotech or a pharmaceutical company in the Bay Area. And we both said, all right, let's do this thing. We're going to go all in. And so in 2000, I think it was 2014, um, actually, we just celebrated our five-year quit anniversary um, like <laughs> a couple days ago. Yeah, uh, we decided, all right, let's do this. And we gave our corresponding two weeks. Um, and I had been in constant communication with my managers uh, at the time, like, hey, this is coming. Mm. You need to prepare for this. This is serious. And um, so they said, okay. Um, I think I gave them like three months notice. Yeah. And just said, all right. And then, um, and then fully switched over. And I'll say the... That first couple, I'd say the first year of working for yourself at home was such a flip <laughs> from tending bar. It was it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in what way? What 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 was uncomfortable about it? It was um, probably every aspect of it, honestly. It was going from this high volume place where you're interacting every single moment of every single day with people, with coworkers. Um, you know, just getting things done in a very specific set, like get your mise en place up, get the bar set, get all your roll-ups done, get the plates, get all the things. And it was very, somebody had already put the template down for you and it was comfortable and you knew what you were going to do. And you were, you know, six hours, you're just getting crushed. You walk out with, you know, grip full of cash and you're good. You're like, I've had a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, I've made a lot of money. I feel like the, the feedback was instant. Yeah. Versus working for yourself where you don't see people for days. Um, you may actually go to work, and I did this for a while, in your pajamas. <laughs> and so your motivation starts to fall off and everything is long term. So you're thinking, all right, what do I need to do to get the business to where it needs to be in a month from now, three months from now, a year from now, five years from now? So your perspective has to change from immediate to much more long term. Um, and then you don't have that interaction with people. Um, it was me and my wife and we were at home all the time and I love her and, and she's, you know, she's amazing. 
Um, but just like with anything, if you have roommates or anything, and that's the only contact you have with the yeah. world, um, we we had to figure out a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so that was also part of the growing pains of the company and us as a married couple and, and business partners, essentially, was to figure out that uh, division of labor. So there was a lot that we hadn't um, thought about. Uh, we thought about the dream. We thought about, oh, wouldn't this be cool? Uh, it's a great idea. And we were listening to all these uh, podcasts and everyone's like, it's easy. You of just course. gotta do the work. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was not easy. Uh, and as you know, and anybody that creates content, um, to be consumed online, um, people can be mean. So that was a whole nother aspect of it of like, wow, holy cow. You know, you are now a focal point for every troll on the internet mm. that doesn't agree with your point of view. Um, so that was, uh, kind of a, a hard moment for me as a pleaser, as somebody that wants to make people happy. Yeah. Like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I can't make everybody happy. Oh, well I have to, I have to do what's right for the company now and the mm. brand and all that stuff. So did that feel different than someone being mean on the other side of the bar? Yeah, it does. I mean, when you are face to face with somebody, there's a little bit easier you get a lot of cues, mm-hmm. right? Like the body language, how they interact, what they feel is important. Um, and you can kind of play to that. You can say, all right, cool. This guy, obviously he wants to be the center of attention. You know, he's egotistical. He, you know, he wants all eyes on him. I'm going to diffuse the situation this way based off of this idea I have of who this person is. Mm-hmm. When somebody's online, you know nothing about them. And there's no, there's no feedback and mm. there's no accountability because they can just spout out stuff yeah and there's no consequences yeah because the internet so um it was it, it is still very very difficult sometimes to to get the uh, the feedback uh, but it is what it is <laughs> so what made you want to stay in this industry kind of because you're still doing things that are related to the industry and you were for a long time mm-hmm. still was it all those things that you were, were originally inspired by or no i think it's different um i think there were elements of i've spent so much time in this industry that that's will always be a focus for me mm-hmm. um and i love this industry so much it's given me given me so many opportunities um that i feel like it's kind of my turn to kind of give back a little bit mm-hmm. and to help foster this community and and you know uh share some of the things that i've learned um whether they be dated or outdated whatever it is um i think there's always going to be a drive for me to to provide resources for this industry to make everything better like i mentioned in the beginning of the craft cocktail movement there was a lot of negativity and a lot of like one upsmanship and it drove me crazy Mm. um so that was one of my biggest pain points in this industry and still continues to be in this industry is um making it easier for people to get where they want to go and not having to suffer. Like make, make, make the information available. If you want to propel yourself in this career, there's a ton of resources out there. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that really drives me is just kind of that. If you want it, I'll, I'll give you everything that I know, which is not arguably not a lot, <laughs> but if I have access to it, I'll, I will, uh, I'll help in any possible way. And, um, I think we talked about this before. Um, is hospitality such a hard 
job. And I don't think people understand how difficult hospitality is. Yeah. Even people that are in the industry don't quite understand it. Right. It's true. And so when my wife and I were talking about this and she never was in the hospitality industry, I was explaining all this stuff and how bartenders are treated and the environment that we work in and all the stuff that comes with becoming a bartender and, and being good at your job. We realized that nobody is applying that same hospitality to them. Mm. Um, so we're like, all right, we're going to change that. We're going to provide. So now we do a lot of bar tools. We, um, have a custom line of bar tools. And, uh, one of the things that we really pride ourselves in is customer service. Like we get it. We know how hard stuff is. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we want to do is put you over a barrel or, you know, anything like that. We want to, we want to do what's right for the people buying our products and our industry and our people. So, um, that has always been kind of a main focus of, of the next, you know, evolution of, of our brand, of our above, um, is to get in that space and provide really good service to the industry. What did you take away from being behind the bar that sort of carried through, uh, in this latter part of your career? Well, um, a lot of it was just the physical elements of bartending. Um, like, um, one of the things I notice is when you shake egg whites and you have a weighted weighted container, um, they sent, they tend to crack open on you, um, just because the volume, you know, the, the air is increasing and stuff like that. So a lot of the physical mechanics of bartending is what I really focused on towards the last part of the career, which directly correlated to the bar products that we're mm. launching. Uh, for example, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm sure every bartender that's ever used them will probably attest to the same thing, and that is the bar mats. The shitty rubber bar mats that we have that curl up and they're never flat and <laughs> and they move all over the place and they're just terrible. So one of the things that we created and I was talking to my wife about it, she's like, oh, we should make one better. I'm like, let's do it. So we made this heavy ass silicone bar mat that is just literally bomb proof. You could park a car on it and it stays dead flat um, and it doesn't move on you. So like all these little things that I noticed and they were my perspectives on, on tools um, we applied that knowledge to our um, bar tool lineup. Um, that and, you know, as learning how to, the language of tending bar, we use that a lot in our business and talking to bartenders and using the language that we use in our industry. Mm. Um, it's a small thing, but I think once you see it and you talk about like pre-shift and, um, you know, all these little things that yeah. are so specific to our industry people bartenders that read they're like okay they get it they've been there they know exactly what we're, we're yeah. doing so it kind of creates this um this bond and i think just being personal and being approachable instead of this corporate entity mm-hmm. and being a little bit more friendly and like oh it's chris and julia yeah you know being being much more personable i think uh something that we've applied from behind the bar to our brand uh, it's been really good how do you balance all and even when you were still working like half working at the bar half working on the business and you were starting a family mm-hmm. um how did you how did you balance all that in a way that because i'm kind of doing both right now i have sure. this podcast and i'm working at two bars and developing cocktail programs at those bars and sometimes i just feel like i'm drowning yeah <laughs> how do you handle that it's you know it's something i we still struggle with um one of the things that we were very deliberate on is creating our roadmap so when our piece is going to fall in place, mm. like it doesn't make sense. It never made, it didn't make sense for us to have a family in San Francisco um, because we knew we weren't going to be there forever. It's just too expensive. 
Um, so first thing we had to do was figure that out. So we moved out to the East Bay. Um, and we're like, okay, cool. What do we need to do now to get us to a point where we can actually stay at home with our family and kind of grow our careers? So that's when we started the business and thinking about, all right, how are we going to make money to sustain ourselves and just slowly evolve to what it is now? Um, and as far as balancing work life, I think it's something we constantly struggle with because when you're self-employed, uh, it's just we live at work. We don't work from home. We live at work. Yeah. So there's this constant struggle of like how much energy you're going to put into the business versus how much energy you're going to put in your family. And it's just this balancing act. I think we've we've found a nice um, balance now, but um, it, it has been a struggle and it will always be a struggle um, just because we want the best of all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard. It really is. And I can't imagine living, you know, raising a family um in the hospitality it's just it's hard it's got to be very very difficult um, yeah I mean, just the schedule alone is right hard. exactly and uh, you know we had the benefit that julia worked nine to five and i worked evenings at the time so there would always been somebody there for the kids but then you never see your partner yeah and it's never quality time so um this is something we recognize after a couple of years of being together um you know holidays were not not a thing <laughs> and actually it was a point of pain for us because as Christmas got closer and closer, I became more and more angry and more and more anxious and more and more like just because I'm getting crushed at work, right? You're going 10, 12 hours of nonstop work. Yeah, all the holiday parties and-, and and people, I mean, just the volume of people just come out, right? And we were always understaffed. So you're never set up for success. We weren't anyways. And, you know, as somebody that tries to provide really good customer service, you can't provide the best experience anymore. So like all these things start to get diluted down. I start to get bitter. Mm -hmm. It's all around the holidays. So uh, we made a plan like, all right, next year we're, we're, I'm I'm getting out of business Mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't make it, but the year after that we did. So a lot of us kind of develop an identity Mm -hmm. and kind of an ego about being a bartender and what that means. And it's, we, we feel we feel very connected to that, I think. And it sounds like you've experienced that too. Right. Because uh, it's great. It's like, it's so much fun to be right. behind the bar. And then the community is so strong, especially in, in this city. Like, right. Did it feel like you were losing a part of yourself when you stepped away? Did you feel like, ugh, like a, it seems kind of scary. I know I, I had stepped away for about 10 months from, mm-hmm. uh, from this bar and to sort of start this podcast and do other things. And it felt like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, what am I going to do if I'm not, you know, behind the bar? Am I still going to be part of that? Like, right. um, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was hard. Um, you know, just I've always, once I got into bartending and it became a big portion of my life, it consumed like every aspect of my of life, you know, just ingesting any piece of information I had um, and adapting to my own style and all that stuff. Um, and it was always, I always identified myself as a bartender. Um, and I still do, even though I don't tend bar. Um, but yeah, it was really difficult not to physically be behind a bar. Like I still do um, some consulting and I still, you know, obviously have a bar at my house, but it's definitely not the same. Um, and every time I, I'm looking, we're doing a podcast uh, in San Francisco now at a bar and I'm looking very longingly and wantingly like be, to be behind that bar. Um, but it's hard cause it is, it's a major part of who you are as a person. Um, so I think I, I, I really had a hard time with that. 
um, not providing hospitality to people and mm. getting that customer interaction. Um, it was, it definitely changed me. And, um, I think it's something I still kind of dream about doing like, Oh, I'll just pick up a shift. It'll be great. I'll do a guest shift somewhere. It'll be yeah. awesome. And I, I look at it and I'm like, there's no in hell, dude. I'm, I'm so <laughs> rusty. I'm so like, the idea of free pouring right now is just like my research just thinking about it. Yeah. You know? So what did you have to do sort of internally to to adapt to the, the next phase of your career? Yeah. Um, I think just apply some of that creativity that, that was going around the cocktails to the business now. Like mm. um, it's amazing when you step out on your own and you start to do your own thing. And I'm sure this is something you've experienced with podcasts and all the other um, things that you're doing is like, you have to learn new skills. You have to apply those skills uh, in a meaningful way to your business. So it was instead of reading all these bar books and ingesting all this information from, you know, Morgenthaler and David Arnold and all these gurus in our space that mm-hmm. really know what they're doing, I took a shift and now I'm ingesting everything I can about social media and um, running a business and creating video and recording audio and editing and like amplifying our ability to create content. So the focus is definitely shifted. And it's something that I had to do with management as well. It's like, all right, I love cocktails. I love coming up with cocktails. I love making these cool, interesting drinks. But when you become a manager, you have to, for me anyways, I had to step back from that. I had to hand that over to somebody and create a, an environment where they had the tools they needed to be successful. And they were proud to create the cocktails. And then I would have to learn a lot more of the business side. So it's just kind of um, pivoting, I guess, is, is a terrible word, but, you know, pivoting <laughs> your skills. It's one of those corporate words that uh, make us all uncomfortable. I know. Yeah, I know. It really is like corporate bingo. Like, oh, he said pivoting. Damn it. Oh, gross. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, but it really was just kind of like refocusing your energies and your how you're growing as a professional in a different way. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing now is just like, all right, we're not a one person operation anymore. So now how do I find the right people to fill these roles? And cause I'm never going to be an expert in SEO in, yeah. um, audio recording and editing and video. It's just, I don't have enough time to learn that. And that, it's not my passion. So now we have to find people that kind of compliment us, um, and kind of grow our, our company with their skills. I went to a a talk a few weeks ago and there was a lot of bartenders that were sort of in various stages of either they'd started something related like Mark with the pin project or um, or Tanya with Jigger and Dash mm-hmm. um, they'd either started something or, or kind of in the early stages of something or and there's a lot of people like yeah I'm, I'm just behind the bar six days a week and I'm kind of getting burnt out and kind of thinking about going somewhere different um what would you say to someone that's in that space or or that's sort of just started something um what advice would you give to someone there that's looking to go in a new direction yeah um i think you know i was, I was given a lot of thought of that to that particular subject as they're coming in for this interview and i think there's a lot of opportunities in hospitality um we don't have the traditional growth path that a lot of companies have. You don't start at the bottom, work your way up and become an owner mm-hmm. relatively. I mean, you can, but that's usually not the case. Um, and I think the more you learn in this industry and do a really, really deep dive into whatever excites you, uh, whatever you're passionate about, will pay off. 
for example, if you're really good at numbers and you love geeking out on spreadsheets and data and all that stuff, this industry could really benefit from people that understand this and can teach that. Mm -hmm. Nobody's really focusing in teaching, and not a lot of people are, the business of bar, owning bars and restaurants. Yeah. Um, so if that's something you're super excited about, there's absolutely space for that. Um, you could work for a POS company doing trainings or consulting. And I mean, the POS com- in general is such a, a big topic that you could really go down a rabbit hole and become a specialist in that area. Um, sales and marketing. And I mean, every contact that you have in a bar could be a potential career path for you if you're yeah. interested. Um, if yeah, a lot of people go into like the brand side of things. Brand side, yeah. Portfolio sales kind of thing. That's kind of like a common path. Yeah, and um, you know, a lot of I know a lot of bartenders and myself included. Um, the ambassador route was a huge focus for me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, are you kidding me? I'm going to get a credit card and I'm going to get be able to entertain bartenders <laughs> all day. What? There's nothing, nothing better. Um, so that I was focused on that for a while, and there's definitely a career path for that. Um, and I mean, there are, I mean, sales in food and I mean, equipment sales, if you're a bartender and you understand layout, I mean, design is a whole aspect you can get into partner with an architectural firm because Mm. architects don't know anything about running or laying out a spot, a space in a bar. Yeah. Like where should the glass rinser be? And they make the worst decisions possible. You can tell who's, who has hired a bartender to set up a bar and who is like, (laughs) this will look cute. This will look pretty. And you get behind a bar and you're like, we have to destroy it all, all of it. I'm going to work out of a, out of a bus tub for the first month until we figure this out. (laughs) Just like, this was such a terrible idea. So like, I mean, there's so many possibilities as long as you really kind of develop those skills. And I think, um, you know, just trying stuff, getting out there, because every time you try something, you're going to learn something. Um, you know, if you, one of the things that I, I touched on earlier was like, I had to learn video editing. I could probably get a job as a freelance video editor now. I don't mm. want to, because that's yeah. just arduous and it's, it's not something I'm excited <laughs> about, but I could, or um, social media or something like that. So new opportunities kind of present themselves as you try new things. Um, so just keep trying, just keep putting yourself out there. Um, I did an entire series on our podcast for bartender to entrepreneur. Um, Jennifer Callio was one of the persons I interviewed. Yeah. And um, there's another bartender, Tor Bergquist, who launched a soda line in Australia. Um, and I mean, catering is a whole avenue you can get into. I mean, there's there's so many career paths if you apply yourself. And I think the biggest thing is if you're a bartender and you're looking to go in that direction is to start taking back your time because when the hardest thing for me was recognizing, okay, this is my opportunity cost. I can make $300 on a Friday night or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll I'll average a couple of thousand dollars over a week or, you know, one or $2,000 over a week, or I can go to lunch, go to lunch shifts. And now I'm making half that. Do I need it? Do I need all that money? Probably not. Is it good to have it? Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, I can survive on this number. So now then I started pairing back. And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to days, cut my income. But now I get to apply a lot of my time to my business, grow that revenue up, and then slowly start taking back my time until I go mm. full time. Um, so managing your time, not going out to drink after shifts, like being dedicating yourself to growing as an individual was um it was one of the hardest things that i had to do as well yeah. it's like all right 
I have to leave the party and I have to go to my business. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really nice to have you. Oh, it's great, man. Yeah, absolutely. That was Chris Tunstall. Anything and everything you're interested in and anyone you meet in this industry could lead to the next step in your career. Try new things, meet new people, and see where it goes. It's important to stick with it, though. Change is hard, but it will be rewarding. Make sure to check out abarabove.com, Top Shelf Bar Supply, and the Mixology Talk podcast. There's even an episode with me in it. Links to all this and more can be found at uride6.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E 86.com. New conversations every week, so be sure to hit subscribe and stay tuned for more. I'll see you next time.